Taylor Walker from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Shannon Hearn from the West Coast Eagles. This is Nathan Jones from the Melbourne Football Club. Phil Davis from the GOS Giants. It's Brad Ebert from the Port Adelaide Football Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hello, you with MJ, and welcome to another of the 50 most relevant, counting down who I believe are the most relevant players in fantasy footy for 2019. The number 30 player is where we find ourselves today. Getting real close to the halfway marker. And in at number 30, West Coast Eagles Premiership midfielder, Elliot Yo. To talk all things Elliot Yo from the Adelaide Advertiser, I've got the Phantom on. Hello, mate. How are you? Hi, MJ. Always a pleasure, mate. Thanks for having me. Look, I'm pretty excited to talk about Elliot Yo because I think there's some huge relevancy while you certainly specialise in super coach, and I'm keen to very much get your take in, in a moment on, on what you should be looking to consider when it comes to Elliot Yo in super coach. I think all salary cap formats of the game, there is relevance for Elliot Yo. He's just 25 years old, an out-and-out midfield gun, and he's got some real impressive ceiling about him. His highest score last year across all the formats came against the Gold Coast Suns. It was 138 in Fantasy and Dream Team, a 150 in Supercoach. His average was a 107.8 in Supercoach and just a fraction under in Fantasy and Dream Team. In Supercoach, he's going to set you back around about that 570 sort of marker through there, just shy of 700,000 across Dream Team and Fantasy. Well, after previously just a few years ago um, being awarded All-Australian um, efforts because of the great work he did at halfback, Elliot Yo took the next evolution in his game by moving into the midfield. And you could probably build a case he's now one of the elite midfielders in the game. Just last year, he delivered career-high numbers for disposals, tackles, inside 50s, clearances, contested possessions, goal assists, won the club's best and fairest in their premiership year and was probably unlucky not to make the all Australian squad when it comes down to it. Phantom, he just had, not just in a fantasy football sense, in a super coach sense, but in a pure footy sense, he had a phenomenal season last year. Absolutely, and you're not wrong there. And the key thing for him, I think, mate, and in all formats too, is an, an all-rounder, uh, yeah. a, a stat beast, um, I guess you can say. You know, average 25 disposals, 12 contested possessions. It's a nice mix of inside-outside. And he's seven inside-50s per game, seven tackles per game, ranked him in the top five for both categories in the comp. It was interestingly, 479 metres gained per game. He was yeah, 11th wow. in the AFL. So as he's touched on, his goal assists, 16 goal assists and 13 goals himself. So... He does it all, um, so when you sort of stop him in one way, um, he can hurt you um, with something else. So I think, as you mentioned, he, the 10th-ranked Supercoach player for total points mm. last season as a defender. Um, another great thing about him, very Drew, will only miss five games in the past four seasons. He, he just finds a way to keep getting it done, doesn't he, when you drill down into what he was able to deliver just last year in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, an average of 106 14 tons, six of those over 120. While in Supercoach, even better, a 107 average, 15 tons, seven of those were over 120. And there's multiple games where you're seeing him score big. 150 in Supercoach against the Gold Coast Suns, 144 against the Swans in round 13. Uh, and then even into the finals in that really important game, while it doesn't count for us, it's still an incredible game, a 139 against the Magpies over at Optus Stadium. We've got a guy who's consistent, he's durable, um, he's got a high ceiling, 
He's got a really low-scoring baseman. He did have one shocker last year. That was round three against the Cats. And he was predominantly used deep inside defensive 50. And that's kind of one of the ways we saw him in previous seasons playing as almost an intercept possession defender. Um, He had one shocker. But outside of that round three match... Oh, sorry, even if you include that round three match, he just had three super coach scores and four AFL Fantasy and Dream Team scores under 90. So, Phantom, he's got not just great durability, great consistency, great ceiling. He's not going to hurt you with those stinkers that someone like a Dane Zorko does. Absolutely. And that was an odd day, that round three um, back in April. He was on zero super coach points at three quarter time. So, very an outlier there. And if you take that out of his scores, um, his average would be 112 points per game, which would have ranked him equal eight of all midfielders. I know um, you can't do that too much. Everyone has a bad game. Sure. You can't go talk too much about their taking the bad games out of their averages. But interesting to note there, that was a very odd day for Elliot Yo. Um, but you're right. Given what he can do and how he can score, um, the low scores aren't too much of a concern. You know, even if he has 18 or 20 touches, can't find the footy as much on his day. Um, he's probably having seven to eight tackles um, and influences the game going forward inside 52. So definitely you can sort of put him in, mm. pick him, um, and trust him and not have to worry about him, as you, like you said, MJ, a Dane Zorko or someone who can have five touches tagged out of the game and sulk um, in the half-forward line in the second half. Yeah, and, and he's not going to get tagged. You look at some of the other midfielders in that West Coast Eagles side right now. While Elliot Yeo's, you know, disposal efficiency in the, the mid to high 60s across the format is anything but poor, when you've got guys like an Andrew Gaff on the outside who's so damaging with his run and carry, breaking the lines, you know, opening the game up, and then pinpointing, you know, targets by foot. Someone like a Luke Shuey who's got that in and outside damage as well. It's really brave of a coach to go, are we going to try to lock down on Elliot Yo Because these two players, you could build a case, are even more damaging um, for you. So I don't predict a tag coming for Elliot Yo. And as you mentioned, Phantom, just right at the start of this podcast, sometimes we see these guys that lose dual position status, like a Jackson McRae from 12 months ago, Dustin Martin, even an Angus Brayshaw, who's been featured in the 50 most relevant You've got to rank what they did based on the new line they have, and they still build a case that they're going to be amongst the top crop of midfielders, but they'll just have a crazy low ownership number. Exactly, and as you mentioned, Jack McRae was a big one last year, but Dusty in 2017, we saw he was the 12th-ranked scorer in 2016, lost his dual position status as a four for the 2017 season, and only 11% of the team started with him in 2017, and what happened in round one, 159 points against the Blues, ended the year as a second-ranked scorer in the game. Different players, sure, um, but again, it's happened with Zach Merritt, even Dane Zorko, Robbie Gray, uh, and two other examples. So you can't forget about Elliot Yo. Mm. just has lost his defender status. Um, and for the guys who are on top of it and do like Elliot Yo, might make him a bit more unique um, in all formats in 2019. Yeah, I think that there's always positives and negatives when you start with unique option. The, the positive of it is if they fly out the gate, you look like a genius. You've got this unique point scoring opportunity uh, and you've kind of forged a, a little bit of a gap between you and the rest of the pack. The negative of it 
is if you're running in that low 5 to 10% ownership and they don't quite to deliver what you expect, you're the one feeling the brunt of that. That being said, you look back not just at 2018, but even into 2017, while Elliot Yo was a predominant defender and an intercept peel-off defender who did have midfield rotations, there's not a fantasy basement there that's going to burn you. So I don't predict or foresee that even if he does have a couple of quieter games here or there, he's shown just in the past 12 months that his bad games, gosh, they're really not that bad from a super coach perspective. Absolutely. And I guess his ceiling too outweighs that um, in that 2020 yeah, season. Five one plus scores in that year as well. That makes it 12 in the past two seasons. Um, so I guess we can say right now, um, injury aside, to be sure, he's a top eight or top six even midfielder in Supercoach. Um, and you know, go close in the other formats to a very safe option. One, I really like him in and out of my team throughout the preseason, and I'm trying to squeeze him back in there as we speak. Yeah, look, you know, the, going off the, the stats of who's available this year, only um, four midfielders ranked, scored over 110 average in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. One of them we don't have available for 2019. For Supercoach, it was just the eight. So even though he's not quite got to those big numbers of a 110 seasonal average, Look, he's close enough with these big boys. He, you probably do want to see some level of, of a, a little bump in scoring, but I think his uniqueness and the ceiling there keeps him, like you said, mate, right in the conversation of being one of those top six to ten midfielders for the year. He, he's already ranked that right now in AFL Fantasy at 10. He's already ranked 12th in Supercoach, and that's with a Tom Mitchell. I know some would be a little bit concerned about, well, hang on, he had all these games at the back end of the year with no Andrew Gaff. Uh, maybe his scoring was so drastically different, you know, with Gaff and without Gaff, but, but it really wasn't a hugely big sample size of games. Just the three in the home and away. There, There is a little bit of a dip there in AFL Fantasy. Um, sorry, in Supercoach. He was going 109 with Gaff. It did drop a little bit to a 99. But if you look at what he was able to do the following week in the qualifying final against the Pies, he went 139. So I, I wouldn't be too concerned. While for AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, there's probably a little bit of a bump, actually. He went from a 104 to a 119. Now, again, it's only three weeks. Um, but, you know, there's enough there to suggest he's still going to be in the scoring equation of where he's priced at, maybe a tiny little bit of a clip, maybe a tiny little bit of a bump, depending on the format. But I don't think Gaff out of the side impacts too greatly the fantasy football and the super coach output of Elliot Yo. I agree 100% there. And you mentioned two before uh, his age. Um, still young, uh, averaged 100 super coach points or more in the past two seasons. Before that, he was below the three figures. So Still improving, still a lot of improvement. I think that bump can come yep. um, this year, as you mentioned, as we spoke about before. Uh, dangerous taking out player scores, but you take out that 27 points on that strange day, yeah. 112 points per game. So I reckon he can get to about that in 2019. Um, but back on the gap thing, I don't I don't buy into that um, and agree with you much. I think Yo um, can still um, push those numbers um, 
irrelevant of who's in the side. Yeah, I think it comes down to when it, uh, selecting Elliot Yo, whether it be as an upgrade target or someone in your starting side. You're starting to probably really look at about personal preference when you look at the teams and the midfield premiums that he's going to be sharing the buy round with. Um, Brisbane Lions, it may be a, a locky Neil, uh, and maybe he makes the 50 most relevant. Does he still keep super coach and fantasy relevance in a new side? Maybe we'll get to talk about that. Clayton Oliver at the Melbourne Football Club. Uh, Collingwood have a plethora of midfield options. Uh, Geelong, probably the most um, fantasy football relevant option. He's available for a forward in Patrick Dangerfield, so that's not going to impact you. And then Sydney, probably similar again. The, the real relevant options you're looking for are probably an, an Isaac Heaney, unless we get a renaissance of a, a Parker and a Josh Kennedy. So it probably just comes down, Phantom, to a, a mix of personal preference of start him or keep him on the upgrade great target because I don't see a world where Elliot Yo's not in the conversation as a top 10 midfielder if not higher you're right the per- personal preference does um, happen and come down to that I guess you spend that little bit more and then you're up you're Clayton Oliver you're Patrick Cripps Josh Kelly and you got Trelaw um, from Collingwood who I expect uh, another spike in his scoring this season um, but you're saving a little bit on Yo and you're probably picking him like you said before um, a bit of a unique um, aspect to your team. Um, and can he reach the height of your Crips, your Olivers, and your Kellys? I think he's probably still sitting just below that. I think yeah. most people would agree. Um, but even still, something just below the feats of those guys would have him be a top-ranked player this season. Yeah, I, I, I struggle to see a world where things go really, really wrong and really, really badly for Elliot Yo. So, look, if, if he's not on a starting squad conversation for you for whatever reason, and it probably is just personal preference um, as the major one, he needs to be strongly considered as an upgrade target across all formats of the game. Let's talk drafts, though, Phantom. We've talked about it once or or twice already this episode. He's ranked 10th for midfielders in AFL Fantasy, 12th for midfielders in Supercoach, but one of the players in the midfield are out in Tom Mitchell. Where do we go and select him in a draft? Is M1 too early? Um, I think based on his ranking, you could probably get away with it. But you'd probably want him, if he's your M1, you'd probably want to have locked away someone like a Dangerfield forward, a Grundy in the ruck, or a Laird or a Lloyd in the back line to feel like I've got one of the top two, three, four guys in that line, and then I'm going to feel comfortable at an M1. What are you thinking? Do you think he's a safe M1, or would you kind of like him as your second midfielder in a draft? That's what I'm thinking too. I think definitely it could be a second-round selection. You're not... Um, probably going to use that first rounder on him. If no. you, as you mentioned, selected a positional with your first selection, more than happy take him as your first midfielder, depending on what's available. Um, so I reckon that's about where he sits, that middle of the second round. Um, and look, if you can get him with the third or fourth pick, if a lot of other guys are overlooked, um, then great. But I think you're probably, I'll be pretty happy with you picking him up um, as your first midfielder in the second round. Yeah, and there are some kind of some sexier fantasy football names that are ranked below him. Guys like a, a Matt Crouch, a Nat Fife, um, a, a Zach Merritt, who's just had you know some injury uh, concern, freak out moments just on on Friday. Um, there are probably some of these names may go ahead of him in a draft, um, just because they feel more attractive to own. And so while I, I struggle to see how you know 
if you've got pick 31 overall in a draft, I think he's off the board by then. But who knows? You know, crazier things have happened. There may be some defenders that coaches get uberly and overly excited about these new kick-in rules. And so all of a sudden, Simpson and Laird and Lloyd and Sicily and, Sim- you know, all these guys that are great premium defensive options for us anyway. Maybe coaches go a little bit almost over-carried away and lock these guys in earlier. So it'll be fascinating to see how the drafts play out. And the dual position... Forgetting about the dual position status and players um, works to the favour of some coaches mm. in the draft format too. Um, you know, guys who have owned Elliot Yo as a defender, say last year and in the past, um, do forget about him. I guess when he's only available as a midfielder. Um, so I think, like you said, the sexier, if you like, um, and the guys who have been around in the midfielder in the midfield for longer, like, mm. like you said, Merritt and your Crouches, even your Bonten Pellies. Yeah. Um, even a Taylor Adams, similar thing happened to Taylor Adams a couple of years ago, you know, big scoring super coach defender in all formats, actually. Uh, he's fallen off a little bit now, but he was overlooked big time um, going into the midfield. But I think there's definitely a chance Yo slips, um, depending on, I guess, how much your other coaches in your league yeah. have sort of looked into it or how much attention they do pay. Um, but definitely um, one to watch slide in the draft, hopefully. Yeah, fingers crossed. Hey, fingers yeah. crossed. Hey, man, appreciate your thoughts today on Elliot Yo. Thank you, MJ. It's been a pleasure. Um, as I said before, he's been in and out of my team all pre-season. Um, just squeezed out, actually, last night, as we all know, this time of year. The team, team changes daily, but he's one I really like this year um, and definitely in Supercoach Draft, one I'll be looking at. So, been a pleasure, MJ. Loving your top 50 so far. Thank you, mate. It's a phantom from the Adelaide Advertiser. Plenty of great stuff coming from him right throughout your Supercoach preseason. If you want to go back and catch up on some of the players we've discussed in the 50 Most Relevant, you can go and do that at coachespanel.tv, as well as getting all the podcasts of the players via Spotify and also iTunes. If you're loving what you're hearing from the Coaches Panel, you can join our Patreon, or if keep, of course, keep checking out the podcasts and articles every single day we venture into the 20s of the 50 most relevant tomorrow and i wonder who lands at number 29